Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Uh, John, it is Wednesday, April 17th, and uh, I am out of the Spartan Twitter tournament. I'm shocked. Uh, I'm sure everybody that listens to this podcast voted, but to those of you who didn't, uh, you're dead to me. I don't mean yeah, that. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I love all of you. But you're dead to me. But I love you. You're big mad. I'm a little mad. No, I mean, <laughs> listen, I basically just, all I wanted to do was just bully my way into that tournament, and it worked. You did. I did. Flex those Twitter muscles. And, uh, you know, listen, we I, I got 40 plus percent of the vote against, as a 21st overall seed, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm some juggernaut yet. But, Austin, I think I think you need to provide a little context for all of our listeners who aren't on the Twitter.com. Damn it. Uh, okay, so for those of you who aren't on Twitter, uh, somebody threw together like an, an MSU Twitter uh, March Madness bracket, you know, where they went like had, I suppose, infamous, I suppose, Michigan State Spartan uh, Twitter accounts, like people who tweet about MSU too often pitted up against each other and and I was not included nor was John which listen man I'm sorry I left you behind but I you got first hey, hey man you got to eat for yourself every once in a while um we'll get you in the next one but they uh they you know, I I did my own tournament and I won it so yeah. <laughs> damn it F you guys yeah so the joke is really on on me after all uh, but yeah I was defeated in the first round after basically barging my way into the tournament via you know some some unflattering bullying techniques, but it, it got the job done, uh, and it was a wild 24 hours. Let me tell you, Austin. I do believe uh, at the only colors is still alive and well. So. Yes, good. The mothership lives and uh, will continue to to thrive. So we need all your votes. Go on and vote for for the only colors. Uh, we all know it's the best account anyway. So just keep voting for it. Um, more more uh, on point, I guess is uh, we haven't talked to you all since uh, that fateful day that Michigan State lost to Texas Tech in the Final Four. Now, we know it's been, um, you know, over a week at this point. We wanted to give everybody some time to to grieve in their own personal way. Yeah, um, go ahead. No, it's important to grieve in whatever way is necessary. Ours was to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. So we've been having a great time ever since. Um but yeah, we don't need to dive in and, and rehash too much of that or the rest of the weekend, but um, we'll do it pretty quickly here. 
John, what were your what were your takeaways? Uh, I was really surprised that the team had one of its lowest uh, team assists. It had the lowest team assist output on the entire season with six. Um, coming from a team that finished the year with the most assists in the entire country. So that was the game. I mean, that's it. And Cassius had two assists. Two. I never thought I would hear myself say that. And that's the game. So, I mean, we don't have to go into much else. Yeah, it was, you know, just to quickly basically agree with you here. Um, just look like MS, MSU. This was, this was the game. The way I've, I've been putting it since then is Cassius Winston was able to be such a magician that he was, he was able to be the only player that handled the ball and scored for MSU and created everything uh, all year against every defense, except the very best one in the country. Yep. And, and it came back to kill him. I mean, they put uh, Jarek Culver, who defensively at least certainly looked like a lotto pick. Um, they put him on Cassius, and Cassius didn't have anything for him. And hey, you know, the game's a game. Cassius is six feet tall. He's six foot five. There's a reason why they're the best defensive team in the country, and he's getting a lot of love in the NBA draft. Um, I do want to give them a pat on the back, though. I mean, they got down big in the second half and did what they kind of did all year. And Fought tooth and nail to get back in this game again against a great defense. Went on a big spurt in the middle of that second half. And then uh, had a couple chances. I think what made it difficult was MSU really did have a couple chances to cut the lead to to nothing, uh, yep. to, to tie the game. Cueto missed a, a three in the corner. Cassius missed a pull-up three. I mean, two shots that, you know, how many times did we see those go down this year? Um, and, and they just didn't have it, you know. Uh, in that game, you know, it, it was bitter. It, it hurt at the time. I think, especially seeing, you know, a Virginia team that looked a little vulnerable, certainly extremely vulnerable. Probably should have lost like three different times in this tournament. But um, yeah. a, a team MSU probably felt decent about a matchup with, and you know, to know that's on the other side of the bracket and not get there is, is tough. But um, you know, just to zoom out on this game and just start talking about really the the year in general. I mean, it, for me personally, and John, I know you, you really agree with this on the on the whole, that was an incredible season. I mean, I know I'll personally remember it very fondly, and I'm pretty sure you will as well. Yeah, it was like, for as bad as we keep talking about how unfun the 30-win season was from a year before, this was the most fun. Yes. Like, <laughs> the most fun. Let's, I mean, let's go through it, you know, like at beginning of the year, we talked about the seat. Maybe we thought the ceiling expectation was like the sweet 16, right? Sure. And then champions classic, they play Kansas and you know, it, they lost by, I think five. And we were like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> sweet 16, right? This is a sweet 16 team. And then, you know, we play, a handful of teams, I think 13 games, then Langford's out for the year. And yeah. I think at that point, MSU was 11 and 2. And I don't know, where did you think they were after we heard Langford was going to be out for the year? Like, oh, I mean, that was a tough one, especially because, you know, he had 
carried them through a couple of games to that point and scoring 15 a game, shooting 40% from three. I mean, it, especially given at that time how little we knew about the depth and and yep. the identity of that team at that time was to run the ball and, and just score. Uh, and, you know, Langford was looking like he had become a competent defender, never anything special, but really looking like they were ready to, to kind of make a run and were really figuring things out. And then, you know, he goes down and, and I don't know about you. I never really, I never really, uh, I adjusted my expectations, but I don't think I ever set new ones. Cause I wasn't really sure that that was fair to do to a team. Right. Yeah. Let's just say like the sweet 16 as a ceiling still felt. That felt high, but very different, much more difficult, obviously. Much more. And then, you know, Michigan State rallies, 9-0 and in the Big Ten. And now we're like, I mean, you and I were like, whoa, this Maybe. is for real. And we were still feeling like, you know, not, not everyone had bought in. Not even at Michigan State fans, but definitely not in the nation. But we were thinking like, okay, we can, we're feeling like the ship, you know, it's, it's gaining steam here. It's felt like a, it could be a ceiling Final Four team, right? Sure. They were just rallying off wins, and we were yeah, like, true. who are they going to, to a point where we were like, who, who are they going to lose to? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, <laughs> after uttering that thought, comes the at Purdue college game day versus Indiana and at Illinois three-game losing streak, which really brought uh, everyone back down to earth, I think. Yeah, um, yes. So... Season ceiling expectation, I think, falls probably back to maybe where it started at the beginning of the year, Sweet 16, right? You were like, okay, this is that kind of team. I mean, there were some, if you recall, some crises on the old comment boards mm-hmm. and on theonlycolors.com. I think one, I remember reading specifically one commenter on, our, on the pod comment said, uh, Michigan State would be lucky to make the NCAA tournament. <laughs> And it was like, oh, wow, we are in full <laughs> panic mode as a as a, as a fan, fan, as a unit. We are in trouble here. Um, Kenny Goins comes back and drops the now infamous line, uh, nut up or shut up. <laughs> the team does, in fact, refuse to shut up and chooses to nut up <laughs> and goes on to string together a ton of really tough wins. Despite Kenny, in fact, getting hurt, Nick Ward getting hurt for an extended, and Kyle Arns getting hurt, which brings us back to thinking, okay, this team is for real, for real, solidly a Sweet 16, maybe Elite 8 type of team if they can get all their pieces back. And then they enter the Michigan, the first game at Michigan. And you know what happened there. Yeah, that that was pretty fun. I had a good time. Most in green and white did, but then they didn't. Follow, they followed that up, as you recall, on the road, and then winning two more for championships, and now entering the NCAA tournament. We're like, this is a Final Four team. I mean, mm-hmm. they are. The, the moment that they won the Big Ten tournament, everyone was like, this team can go to the Final Four for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even compete for a natty. And then, literally five minutes later, the brackets are released, and then there's Duke. <laughs> Right. So then I wasn't even out of the United Center when that happened. So yeah. And so then, uh, you know, expectations probably fall to Elite Eight, 
for not only just MSU fans, but generally for the nation. Uh, Michigan State, as we all know, beats Duke in the Elite Eight, goes to the Final Four, and now everyone's ceiling. Ex- everyone's like, they can, they should win the whole thing. Why not at this point? Yeah. Um, so what a roller coaster of a season. All so much adversity that w- that they overcame, which made it so fun. Yeah, that was that was really a, a, that's a great recap of of the year and, and kind of the roller coaster. And I think what another thing that just made it so cool is that throughout that entire ride, you know, they really redefined who they were and they became uh, that that final form there at at the end. And I, I, it's just cool, like it's always really fun. My favorite thing, maybe it's just growing up a Michigan state fan, but it is watching teams like the one this year where it's you, you don't know totally what they're going to be and you watch them grow and shift and, and overcome the odds as the years or as the season goes on. And then for the last, you know, 10, 15 games, you're talk you're looking at a, a well-oiled machine. And I, I think this goes down as one of, and I know it's, it might be ridiculous in a couple of years when we look back at the players that were on this team, but like this to me is one of Izzo's better jobs. Um, and what's really awesome about that is it comes on the heels of one of his worst. I mean, I think anybody would agree it did it last year again, despite, and one of his worst is winning 30 games and the conference, like, yeah. I mean, which is crazy, but this, this speaks to the standards, but like to, to come off of that and, and feel such a massive sense of disappointment. And then, turn around, go through every piece of adversity and work your way all the way to the final four um, with really a six-man rotation. I mean, John, you even skipped over the fact that in the championship game of the Big Ten, Kyle Ahrens gets hurt and they still overcome that and they still make the final four. I mean, this team was – you were working with, you know, uh, down basically two and a half of – I mean, if you want to call – I'll give Nick Ward 50% because I don't think it's fair to hold him to the same standards that he has set for himself, really. Um, You're down two and a half of your rotation players out of at what was at best like an eight-man rotation. Um, You had to get a crazy game out of Gabe Brown in in the – I guess it was a Sweet 16 to to even get to the Elite Eight. I mean, it was – what a ride, what a job by Tom Izzo and the rest of his team and his coaching staff. I mean, just a phenomenal year. And yeah, could they have kept going? Could we still be partying right now? Sure. But um, every team except for one at the end of every single season is disappointed. So it's really a spectrum. It's a scale of disappointment. And if you're a Michigan State fan, which you are if you're listening to this, you're you should be extremely far down that disappointment scale. Yeah, you know, you said we often talk about how, you know, being a Michigan State fan, the highs are high, man. Like very. Just take a step back and pick any random team from any random power five conference. They they want what we have. And that is pretty cool. Um, you also touched on something, you know, being a Michigan State fan it's fun to watch teams. You don't really know what they are at the beginning. I think you said, and they grow. And then at the end, they kind of take full form and, and really maximize to the best of their ability. I think that is, you know, best humanized in 
MSU seniors, yep. uh, especially as it relates to the two seniors this year who were well encompassed in uh, Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins. Exact same thing. You get them when they're freshmen, and uh, for both of them, you're like, what do we got here? <laughs> Is this something that can be something of real value at the end of the day? And boy, did they prove that. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Goins became, you know, went from a fan favorite to immortal. I mean, <laughs> I think they both might have. I mean, they they had each of them had absolute signature moments in that in that game against Duke. I mean, Cueto arguably had two with the uh, with yeah. the huge dunk, and then that back to the basket uh, reverse, and then Kenny Goins hitting just a huge three in Zion's face. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, it's hard to. Hard to put those things into um, into words and to to appreciate them. I think long term, you know, we we always will. But like you said, I mean, two guys unheralded recruits. Kenny Goins, former preferred walk on, like that story has been beaten into the ground. But but still, like guys that coming into this year were ancillary role players at best, turned into absolutely critical critical pieces for this team down the stretch and. Uh, just like really a lot like Travis Trice uh, cemented their their places and cemented their their legacies and and uh, their places among the MSU. Um, I don't want to say greats, but among memorable MSU players for sure. So all in all, fantastic season. Um, well, and yo Austin, they McQuaid. Uh, let's talk quickly about both of them. McQuaid did something that was very Spartan-like, and, and the makeup of Spartan teams is just a really solid defensive player. He became arguably the best defensive player in the conference. Absolutely, I would agree. And the other thing that when you think of Michigan State basketball, people think of really solid rebounding. Kenny Goins became one of the greatest single-season rebounders in the history of the program. Yeah. So, like, talk, I mean, they really embodied, and to the full extent, everything that is Michigan State's uh, I guess, you know, footprint or personality or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I um, mean, which one of those is more surprising to you? Matt McQuaid becoming an elite defender, like legitimately one of the best in the conference, or Kenny Goins averaging almost 10 rebounds a game? I don't know. They are both equally ridiculous and dumb. They're shocking. I don't think, they, it's, I don't think it's an overstatement to call those two things shocking. They're upsetting, actually. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. So, uh, you know, looking ahead... You know, let's let's. It's all we can do um, is to let's talk about you know what we lose in those those two seniors. Um, you know, we talked about Matt McQuaid, fantastic career. Um, specifically, you know, he came in as a you know a three point shooter, and he left as one of the best in Michigan State history. Um, he finished with 194 three pointers. That's uh, eighth all time in Michigan State history. And 76th all time in Big Ten history. I mean, uh, you probably can't ask for more than that. He's a three star, right? Like, this is, and not to mention, that doesn't even include his defensive ridiculousness his senior year. No, I I don't think you can ask for a lot more, especially from a kid who had, what was it, double hernia surgery at one point? Yeah. 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 You know, you could, it's pretty remarkable that he was able to put together a great career and really consistently get better. And he, listen, I know we ragged on him a lot, but he uh, like legitimately drew a lot of questionable press. I mean, a lot of people, 
people hated on him and doubted on him. So I think, you know, to, for him to finish these numbers is fantastic. And then uh, Kenny Goins, as you mentioned, a preferred walk-on, um, finished with, as one of the greatest single-season rebounders, as I mentioned, in MSU history, he finished with 348 rebounds. That's fifth best in Michigan State history for a season, and that's 13th best in Big Ten history for a wow. season. He's 6'6". <laughs> He's 6'6". I, I think he Kenny Goins is going to be up there. I think he already is actually just one of the most absolutely ridiculous careers uh, from a Michigan State player. I mean, from having to play as a freshman to basically being the full-time center as a sophomore to kind of falling out of the rotation in a lot of ways as a junior to bouncing back and being absolutely critical for MSU as a senior. I mean, what a, what a shoot. crazy career. Yeah. I mean, he learned how to shoot threes. Oh, became and, a fantastic three point shooter. And one sent MSU to the final four doing it. Ah, you know what I mean? Like amazing stuff. 671 career rebounds. That's the 88th best in big 10 history in a league just chocked full of NBA big talent over the years. Like six six. I just can't get over it. It's it's pretty remarkable, really. He's uh it's it's tough to say anything else about Kenny. I think we'll all always have a soft spot for him. I hope he's, you know, around and you know his career is gonna obviously take him somewhere aside from basketball, but I just hope he uh is able to to stay stay around East Lansing because he's he's a bit of a folk hero now. Yeah, I mean, beer's on me, boys. Yeah, absolutely. And they can drink. Okay, great. <laughs> so I think Shannon Sharp offered him uh, via Twitter. Shannon did? Yeah, he, oh. sent a note, he sent a note to the whole Michigan State team and said, because he was so happy Duke got bounced, that for the rest of their lives, anything on Shannon if they ever ran into each other. Oh, man. That is an offer that, fellas, if you have the chance... Oh, yeah. You must take him up on this. Go out of your way to go f- bump into him. Yeah, just go to his studio. I'm so sure he's mean, just waiting for people to walk in. I can't imagine it's a very tight, tightly uh, knit operation. <laughs> so that takes us to the unknown going into next year. Um, you know, Austin, there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of controversy on if he's coming back next year. You yeah. know, and it's it's just been buzzing on the message boards, buzzing on the Twitter.com, and course we're talking about jack hoiberg yeah you you gotta wonder jack uh you know a lot of the talk two years ago was hey you know is miles bridges gonna come back do you think he'd really come back for a second year last off season it was nick ward do you think he's gonna you know go to the pros this year uh i mean it's just another another year another story jack hoiberg will he be a spartan next year um we're obviously talking a little bit tongue in cheek, but kind of not. But if you, if you didn't know, his dad, uh, Fred Hoiberg, former former Bulls head coach, um, took the head job at Nebraska and uh, was watching the game in Spartan gear. I might add at a couple of these games, and uh, obviously Jack now has the chance to play for his dad if he wanted to. But uh, we'll we'll see. People were legitimately up in arms about this once upon a time, um, and also for what it's worth. Because Tim Miles was let go, that means anyone that was under scholarship can you know transfer freely, right? Yep. And a lot of people did, and then Isaiah Roby went pro, so they don't have like anyone left. So <laughs> Fred might be like, quite literally, I need a body. 
Yeah, they might they might be in. Uh, we'll do a goodness matrix for the next basketball season. Obviously, come the fall, um, they stink. Nebraska's going to be. <laughs> they might have uh, created a new bracket for themselves. Although I'm sure Fred Hoiberg did make a living off of JUCO guys previously, so he oh, might yeah. might just do the oh, same yeah. here. But uh, yeah, you, but aside from. Um, you know, aside from Jack Hoiberg, there is a lot to get excited about uh, with the team next year and who might be coming back. Despite you know, obviously losing Kenny and losing Matt stinks, but um, so we so yeah, we do know that uh, Nick Ward uh, and Cassius Winston will go explore the NBA, um, yes. which you can do this year. Um, just get 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 a grade and. They, that's super smart, right? We talked about this last year. Some people were like really, I don't know, like whiny about it, I feel like. And it's like, why would you not? It's right. free. It's like, why would you not go learn from your more than just your coaches, but like a third-party independent person to say like, you really need to get better at this or you need to get stronger or you know, whatever it is, like it's turning down professional advice in the career yeah. of, of your choice in your field. Like that's, it doesn't matter what field you're talking about. <laughs> like the, it right. would be ridiculous to not do that. And the other part that's important is I think they can hire agents and still come back you now. You can. Yeah. That's new this year. So that's, so that's a big deal because people are going to get, um, up in arms and be like, Oh, they signed it. He signed an agent. What, you know, he's gone. It's not the case this season. So they, they could come back. Um, despite, despite that. And, and honestly, like it's, if you look back since this was a thing, like once again, I know I'm a bit of a coach Cal apologist in some ways, but like he got his guys, his, his entire team, including the walk-ons declared for the draft one year. Yeah. Yeah, and they just all went and worked out with NBA guys. They made relationships with those guys. They got to know coaches. Um, for the walk-ons, like you get the chance to talk to them about maybe coaching, about just yeah. making those that networking and those relationships. You're crazy. I think, uh, I think I wouldn't be opposed to Izzo telling all of them to go do it. And chances are they all end up coming back. Maybe Nick Ward ends up testing the waters in the, in the league, and he actually goes if he if he wants to. But um, don't be don't let it ruin your uh you know don't get your panties in a bunch if they don't come back or if they like declare sure so while we don't know what'll quite happen with with them um we do know as a handful of people have signed um and one's still waiting and and ideally by the time you're listening to this that person has signed because it'll be april 17th and that person is rocket watts the most highly, the highly, most highly rated recruit of the 2019 class. Yes, and uh, if you have not watched him, his highlights they're all over YouTube, and uh, you are going to enjoy it. Um, Rocket Watts to me is the perfect embodiment of what MSU could have used in this game against Texas Tech. This is a guy that is a definitely a score first point guard. A really a combo guard. I mean, he can play him at either yeah. of the spots, and I think he will play a significant amount of minutes at both next year, uh, maybe even push down to the three, even though he's not – he's really a 6'3". He's not big enough. Like He's not big like Aaron Henry. But um, this kid can shoot the absolute lights out. He can get to the rack. He's got a little step-back game. He's got a great handle. He's the type of guy that you – I think he 
I mean, Foster will get minutes, but you're talking about a real big-time six-man weapon type of guy uh, coming off the bench. And I think he's somewhere in the 30s of you know the most of the ratings. I think he's only a four-star, but um, you know this is a kid that's going to come in and play right away and be a contributor from from di- from the second he steps on campus. Yeah, and, and the, the great part is is we know that he will because it's not as if he's playing um, he's playing against the best competition. He's playing on Spire Academy, which right. uh, gained a lot more, I guess you'd say, fame or spotlight because LaMelo Ball is one of his teammates. And, you know, the Ball Circus certainly attracts a crowd. A very uh, real thing. So he's, you know, they are playing the very good teams, not only in the Midwest, but nationally. And Rocket has, which by the way, his name's Mark Watts and he goes by Rocket. Yeah, just like, fantastic. Wow. <laughs> not, I feel like we need to talk about that. Like, what a nickname. I mean, uh, your, your backcourt is going to be Rocket and, and Cassius. And then if at the three, Sheesh. sometimes you'll have Bubba. Bubba. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's And Xavier, too, by the way. Oh, boy. Just, uh, uh, we're up there with our uh, own all-name team here. Enjoy it. We don't even have to give nicknames. They come no. with nicknames now. They all have them. We're out, of, we're out of a job, Austin. Yeah, this actually, this might be bad news. <laughs> our niche is so, officially gone. I mean, it, again, if you watch their high, Rockets highlights, he's had games where he's scored over 60 points. Yeah. Like, and, and I think the 60-point game he had was against uh, LeBron's high school team. No so, boy. like, not a Sisters of the Poor type team. <laughs> like, this dude can play. He can he can ball big time. So, so on a, even a loaded team next year, if everyone were to come back, this is a guy who will see minutes. He, ju- he will have to see the floor. Yes, 100%. I mean, just depth-wise, too, he's... You know, you want this year's depth situation was not once Lankford went down, it was just simply not what you want typically out of a out of a backcourt. Really was for all intents and purposes, Cassius McQuaid and then I suppose some Aaron Henry in there. Uh he's more what's that? And then Kyle and, Yeah, but Henry and Kyle were really more splitting the three and yep. then the other two were where your guards, it was a short rotation. Watts will help eliminate a lot of that. Kyle getting healthy will eliminate a lot of that. So um, it's looking like a pretty promising, promising group. Um, the other new names. Now I think what gets interesting with these next two is I think you're looking at at least one red shirt, potentially two here. Uh, the other four star of the group is Malik Hall. Um, he is a four star, really kind of a, I think he's a six, eight, um, kind of a stretch four. Now, what's interesting about him is his game. He, I think he started playing basketball really late. And if correct me if I'm wrong, but he is from Sunrise Christian, the same place Tum Tum went to school. And one Marvin Clark. And oh, excuse me, sorry, I should have started there. In um, that order, please. I'm sorry, I got to know my audience here. Um, but yeah, he's uh, kind of a late comer to the game of basketball, and uh, kind of blew up. Had a couple of big offers towards the end, and um, is the type of kid that listen if you can shoot. And you can play the four. We saw Gabe Brown get minutes, another late arrival to the, a late arrival to the game of basketball. Um, I think in most years, Malik Hall probably finds a way to get on the court in those reserve minutes. You know, probably plays as a freshman, but ends up uh, kind of puttering out of the 
rotation towards the middle to the end part of the year. Um, I'm not even sure, to be honest with you, that he's going to get that opportunity this year. Um, Now, what I'll say is that the good news, bad news with with Malik Hall is if you see him play, it's because he's better than Mm -hmm. Gabe Brown. It's he's better than Marcus Bingham and he's just the best player. That's what that's what this front court in a lot of these positions. What's really exciting about this team for next year is that there's so much competition that truly you will not play if you are not the you're, there's not going to be any like uh oh minutes for this team really. Shouldn't be. No, shouldn't definitely be. shouldn't be. And and you know that leads us to uh, the final signee, which was the late sign, a three star from Texas, uh, Julius Marble. Um, who, another name. Another great name. Uh, but yeah, he. This is a guy that you know in other years, um, you know, might have had a shot, maybe to see the floor. It's really hard for me to see him, unless Nick Ward were to declare, and even then, even so, uh, I mean, you know, you know, it's tough because you have, as we mentioned, Thomas Kithier, super solid in his minutes, right? Like, not to mention Xavier Tillman, who will be probably a preseason uh, Big Ten first teamer. Uh, and then you mentioned Marcus Bingham, um, and then not to mention Malik Hall. It's just there's so much depth. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I want to get to your Tillman thing there in just a second, but um, again with Marble, I, I think he's absolutely a redshirt candidate. Um, again, becoming a bit of a theme here, but another late arrival to the to the to the game of basketball um, has not played for very long at all. Uh, broke his foot twice in high school, so uh, had a pretty abbreviated high school career. Started to get offers towards the end of the process because he was getting healthy. He's got when you see him, he's he looks like a basketball player, but he's, he's the size. what's that? He's, he's got the size. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think it's, he's just super raw. Um, but again, if he's playing, it's because he's better than Thomas Kithier. He's better than Marcus Bingham. He's better than Malik Hall. Uh, you know. I think it's a very long shot, especially if Nick Ward is back, um, which kind of trans transfers us into um, – actually, we should address this real quick first. There are some rumors about that Joey Hauser and – is it Stevie Hauser, his brother? No, I thought you were going to say Doogie, though. Oh, well, one of them should be Doogie. Um, that's a miss on their parents' part. Anyways. I believe it's Sam. Sam. Yeah, it is. Okay, so the two Hauser brothers, both starters for Marquette, last year uh, kind of made a surprise announcement this week that they were looking to transfer both of them. Um, really surprising given that Marcus Howard's coming back and they had like a pretty, uh, like a really good team returning. Um, I don't want to speculate, but I think you just uncovered why they might be. What? Because Marcus Howard's coming back. Ding, 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 ding. Ooh, I like that take. Um, I mean, who knows? I don't want to speculate. I, I have no information whatsoever. But as you, it's it's a little odd two days after the number one reason you guys would probably be go from on the goodness matrix from man, I've had better to yeah. good. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just that smells like something to me. Yeah, and the other part is like. What if that something is they didn't want to play for Woj? Sure. Yeah, I don't think you're going to want to play for Tom Izzo if you don't want to play for Woj. Yeah. Just I mean, just one man's opinion. 
Yeah. So, so the, they're not coming. I, they're not coming to Michigan State. In in in. Yeah. The right. That's really good. <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Yeah. They, they there are no scholarships for them. They both have to sit out a year. And if they were to come to Michigan State, they'd both have to not have a scholarship. I don't see these guys who could pick almost anywhere in the country to go right. play choosing the option of sitting out for a year. Yeah, uh, I, I would totally agree. Especially when one of them has potential to at least play in the NBA. At, at least we'll get workouts. So I, I just would find that hard to believe. So Yeah, I, I, would, uh, I would agree with you there. Um, and then, you know, we're looking way to the future, but we have to address it. 2020, Michigan State gets their first signee, uh, Jalen Terry. Yeah, and this one, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch Jalen Terry, you should. Because he is, uh, he's only about 5'11 right now, but again, he's like 17. Um, but he is this little point guard from Flint Beecher, I believe. Um, yep. Is that right? Yeah, that's where Monty Morris went to school for, yep. for those keeping track at home. Yeah, so keeping another uh, kid from Flint around is obviously, you know, super exciting. Um, and he, he, he's he got some game. Uh, this kid offensively is uh, this is going to sound crazy because it's way ahead of time, but his game just reminds me a lot of Allen Iverson. Uh, it doesn't hurt that he looks like him. He's obviously not the same player, but this kid can get his uh, – forehead to the rim he's got that type of athleticism and he's got that type of handle and this is another kid who's playing really high level AAU type of ball and uh listen I'm all about guard depth we've run into too many situations recently where they don't have enough enough guard depth and uh I personally very happy that's not going to be the case here coming up but you you guys he's a little ways away Jalen Terry but boy you will enjoy watching him I can assure you of that the, the other reason why it's a great pickup, uh, on top of all the reasons you just mentioned, is you know he is the number one player in the state. Yep. And and you know as Michigan has has really, uh, I guess I would call it, equaled the bar of Michigan State of late. Sure. You know, that is a huge get. Just you know, Michigan actually even started chirping about the best in Michigan go to Michigan. Well, well, guess not. Because yeah. this is a stud, and you know, the biggest, you know, the other blue bloods have not started offering him. That will come, yeah. which is why it's even more important that Jalen Terry committed before those inevitably start happening. Is uh, as this summer kicks off. Yeah, yeah, because those offers are coming. But um, yeah, I mean, Michigan State never. I mean, they always do well within the state. Uh, but to keep the best player at home is is obviously a big win. Uh, and something that they've grown pretty accustomed to doing. So um, that's great. So now when we talk about – we'll just touch on this briefly and then jump into some spring football here. But really when you look at the potential roster for next year, um, the starting five is going to be as good as any in the country. I mean, I think, John, you've probably seen the same things I have where – I miss who's getting picked. I mean, those super early projections obviously change all the time. We don't even know who's going to be back in school or leave. But assuming that really – Assuming everybody comes back, and there's really only one wild card in that equation, assuming everyone's back, the starting five of Cassius Winston, Josh Langford, Aaron Henry, Xavier Tillman, and Nick Ward is I can you I can't find a better I can't imagine a better starting five in college basketball next year. No, because there isn't. 
Right. And Thank even you. if Nick Ward were to declare, this team still there are still it's still the number one team in the country. Right. You can't. It's especially after what I just saw take place um, as people are declaring left and right um, at the other top tier teams. I, I would have. I'm obviously biased, but guys, this team is fully loaded um, and primed to do some cool stuff next year. Yeah, I think you saw. Well, one of the things that I think made that set Virginia apart is the fact that they had upperclassmen. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, teams aren't that resilient. They're not able to do the things that Virginia did and survive some of those games without, you know, a solid uh, core and and belief and great coaching. And, and listen, this is a team that if these guys all come back, you're starting three seniors. I mean, how many? So three seniors, including a... Uh, uh, first team All American, and two 15 point scorers. Uh, you're bringing back a tremendous sophomore who's going to be a, a first team All Defense in the Big Ten, and Aaron Henry. Oh, and by the way, your best pro prospect is your other player that's in this starting five, and that's Xavier Tillman, like the, the sixth man of the year last year. Right. Uh, I mean, it's it's an, a bit of an embarrassment of riches with with that team, and then you look at the the bench, and you're talking about. Rocket Watts, who again is is going to be ready to play. Kyle Arns, uh, Kyle Arns could have been a starter all year. Uh, we saw really good things out of flashes out of Gabe Brown. He's got another offseason. season. Uh, Marcus Bingham has arguably more raw potential than anybody on this team, and he's going to get a chance to put just put weight on all summer. Uh, Thomas Kithier, in terms of a third big, it doesn't and a garbage man like him who doesn't need the ball to be really effective. That's Incredibly promising. I mean, you're talking about, and we didn't even mention Foster Lawyer. You didn't even mention Malik what Hall. you could get out of Malik Hall or your boy Connor George. I mean, we're talking, hey. we're talking about a team that is legitimately, at least at a minimum, eight extreme, like solid, solid pieces deep. And again, that's no Lawyer, that's no Bingham, that's no Gabe. Um, yeah. So it's it it's really. In terms of starting places, it's it's about as good as it's going to get. But I know, John, you're you're a little worried about what that means for the morale and what well, the, and the enjoyment of the season. <laughs> yeah, we're back to 2017-18 in terms of this may not be fun. <laughs> just <Yeah>. because <laughs> they're going to supposed, they're going to be favored in every game, and you know what? That's that's a good problem to have. Yes, uh, but man. I am. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, and and um, you know, they, they they are headed to Spain in August. You know, they get to travel cool. once every four years, so they're going to play some professional teams in Spain. Um, really excited to see how this team could do against like pro teams. I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I, I mean, they're veteran. Um, you mentioned Virginia won the national championship, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they were led by all upperclassmen right. who all made big plays, and they were losing in the Elite Eight, Final Four, and championship game. They were losing in all three of those games with 15 seconds left and won the game. Yeah, That is, that is not a coincidence to me well, that they would be able to pull that off. And it's all uh, it was all different guys for them that stepped up and won those games yeah i mean it was ty jerome i think kind of carried him against purdue 
Uh, Kyle Guy obviously made huge plays down the stretch in a couple different games. Onions. Absolute onions. Twice at the end there. And then DeAndre Hunter was unstoppable against Texas Tech down the stretch. I mean, again, and I know Hunter is probably going to end up being the best pro prospect of of anybody Michigan State could trot out there, plus Virginia. Um, But, I mean, Cash Cassius, Josh, Aaron, Xavier, Nick. I mean, those are all guys that can step up and be great uh, in a in a big moment. So um, I don't know. It's 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 a long ways away, but it's hard not to be pretty excited. So the good news is, while expectations are going to be sky high for the yes. basketball team, and that may bring some some I don't know what the anxiety. Words are. Yeah, just because there's so much pressure. The football team, I don't know if they're – we might have it. I will say, what if we approached this year's football team the way we approached the basketball team last year? Yeah, I think I think if we go to football uh, – so we're going to jump into the spring game here, um, which is obviously our first taste of football in, in quite some time and uh, certainly a better taste than the last time we saw this team. We needed a break. Yeah, Boston. we needed a break. Yeah, to, to say the absolute least. Um and so uh, I think we're kind of back to two years ago, like when we were coming off the, the three and nine season yep. in, a, in a lot of ways in that um, this team, obviously the expectations are higher than that, but uh, you do get to approach it where you're kind of like, hey, like, you know, let's see what happens rather than, oh my God, we have to win every single game. And I'm going to freak out if we're, we're even within 10 yep. points. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, let's pull well, So we watched the spring game. We did. Now, which is always just a, it's, it is what it is. It's a glorified scrimmage. If you do you remember the show, uh, whose line is it anyway? Sure do. <laughs> it's like the rules are made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> Extremely pretty much, true. Pretty much this. Um, you know, there's, it's hard to take away a lot of like real insights or because you're playing against yourself and like, who knows if this is the real, this is definitely not the real offense, you know, and they're not throwing exotic blitzes out there. You know, it's just vanilla. Um, that said, you can judge a quarterback. Um, and I can say that because if you had a chance to now, I didn't watch any other Big Ten spring games, but I read about a few of them. There are programs that are not feeling as good about their quarterback situation. <laughs> um, and I am thrilled to relay to you, the listener, that Brian Lewerke looked good, dare I say, back to his self? Uh, I will say that I think it's hard Again, just because it's the spring game, I think it's hard to say where, like, where he's going to net out. Like, if you can say, "Oh, wow, he's really back," because you can't really say that until he's right. in a big situation. But I will say, he looked. I think this game made me realize just how hurt he was last year because yes. he was making plays left and right, um, and he didn't really even he didn't use his legs at all in this one, which was kind of comforting because he had to sit back and actually sling the ball. But he made a couple throws. Uh, right off the bat in this game that made you think, okay, we're going to be fine. Well, yeah, uh, he could he, actually get it there. You know, right. He was able to throw the ball with some with some zip and get it, you know, 30, 40 yards downfield. I mean, on the very first drive, he threw a beautiful 
uh, corner route to the end zone to Daryl Stewart, put it right where the corner couldn't get it and hit him in stride perfectly for a touchdown. I mean, I, I thought he made a couple other nice adjustments. And one play really jumped off the page to me uh, where he, I think it was Naylor over the middle. This was somewhere in like the second quarter. He stepped back, three-step drop, and just zipped this ball and like really put it right on Naylor and made probably like 10, 15-yard catch. And I was like, okay. That's what I needed to see because he couldn't have done that if he wanted to, which I'm sure he did uh, at all last year. So um, it was it was very good to see. I uh, and honestly, so his his stat line ended up being 14 of 20 for 181 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. I mean that's that's a phenomenal line um, Let's against talk about that pick though. Yeah, well, that kind of brings us to another point. Um, the pick was an incredible play by Josiah Scott, who, again, happy to report, looks healthy. Uh, quickly on Josiah Scott. Remember when we were all mad that he played in the bowl game and lost the red shirt? That's kind of, it's, it's honestly hysterical to look back at now because that kid is not going to be around. Even if he redshirted, there's no chance in hell he's sticking around three more seasons in college football. There's no way. He's way too good. As a matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say I think he's definitely going to leave after this year if he stays healthy. He's, yeah, he's a superstar. He, I mean, he was all over. Listen, Daryl Stewart had a hell of a game. I don't think he had any catches on Josiah Scott. Uh, Speedy Naylor is incredibly fast. Josiah Scott was on him a couple times, stopped him. Um, and, you know, he I don't know if he covered Cody White, but um, – Scott's good enough to go up against anybody when he's been when he's played even when he wasn't 100 uh, percent last year down the stretch he was all over his receivers I mean this kid is is made to be an NFL outside corner or slot corner um, and yeah let's not get mad about that again because he's he's like just just enjoy him while we have him because he's a legitimate superstar so while he was phenomenal on as a cornerback not all cornerbacks had a great day no. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I thought that uh, one of the other guys who did well, I thought, was uh, Kalon Gervin, a guy we talked about a lot last year. He was probably the biggest recruit in his class. Um, he made a couple nice plays on the ball. I don't think he really got beat over the top at all. Um, so that's super encouraging because between him and – I don't know if I saw Josh Butler play in this game. I honestly don't recall. But um, Josh Butler is the presumed starter. But Kalon – I mean – MSU is going to have to play three corners most of the time. Um, so to have Kalen Gervin coming onto the scene would be a really big deal. Now behind them is where legitimate questions can start getting asked. And in this game, there didn't, wasn't a lot, again, it's a spring game, but not a lot to um, quell those fears. I mean, we saw a lot of Trey person, uh, a lot of manual flowers. Um, those were kind of the two that I noticed the most. And I noticed Emmanuel flowers getting burnt a few different times. Yeah. So not a great showing showing for him. So that that's something to keep an eye on down the stretch or well really in the fall is is you know who steps up and takes those dime and, and fifth corner type of positions. Those are positions that play in MSU's defense. So that's a big deal. Yeah, so you know as as strong as the defense um looks to be next year, that is kind of the you know one position group where we're I think all fan- that would be the biggest question mark, right? Uh, defensively, yeah, I, I would say. Yeah. Well, first of all, this defense is still incredibly good. Uh, yeah. I mean, that those it's good. It's going to be a deep defense. Like 
I wouldn't expect much different from the past couple of years with this defense, to be honest with you. And and they were out there playing really well uh, with no Kenny Wilkes, who you could make a very, I don't even know if it's an argument, is the best player on that defense. It's maybe Joe Bocci. It's one of the two. Yeah. You're talking about guy who had 20 and a half tackles for loss last year was an absolute star. Um, he's going to be back in the fall. Uh, but in his absence, you saw guys like Zach Slade making big plays and plays his, his, his interception of, uh, I think it was Rocky Lombardi on that screen. Um, that's not a play that's made out of athleticism. That's a play that's made out of knowing the play, like scouting your, your opponents or reading your keys really more than anything. Um, I think you're going to see depth guys like that make plays along that defense. Um, but I would say that one, if there is one area that's, that's sort of concerning, it is, I mean, you got to replace Justin Lane and, and Kari Willis, who I know ne- didn't necessarily grade out incredibly last year, but if you watched MSU, I mean, you know how much of a heart and soul Kari Willis was. Justin Lane, I think is going to be a guy who you see, um, in the pro, I think they're both going to get drafted, both pros. You lose a guy like Andrew Dowell at the linebacker, but you bring back Antoine Simmons, you got guys to cover those up. In the secondary, there's, there's a few more questions. I think um, Xavier Henderson is probably the the odds-on favorite, if not the lock, to start in place of Willis. Um, and, you know, aside from Lane, we already kind of talked about it, but Butler and, and, and Gervin are going to have to step up. But, I mean, when you talk about having an absolutely lethal, legitimate national championship caliber defense and only having to replace – three guys none of them in your top i mean i would argue five defensive players on the roster like that's that's pretty damn good yeah i mean this is an elite defensive unit they there's no reason to believe that they won't be able to be in the i i don't want to say what they did last year because that's a little maybe unfair but um at least nationally an elite defense in, in the top tier Um, so, you know, while we were talking about, not everything was good. Um, there were some bad things. Uh, A couple of guys got injured. Um, there's a very light crowd, which, you know, take that however you will. And then the opening kickoff was almost as bad as it could have been (laughs) where, uh, don't, I honestly, I, I was like kind of excited to watch the spring game. They kicked the ball off and I don't know who was just muffed it. Yeah. Uh, not only muffed it, but muffed it out of bounds at the one. So, <laughs> like, it's guys, honestly funny. Guys, come on. Thank God it's spring ball. If the first snap of the actual season goes like that, I that might be it. Like, I might just be out. Yeah. Because I don't know that I can take that. Yeah, I'd probably get, like, really into, like, cars. Badminton. No, no sports, because that could hurt me. Oh, like, okay, that's fair. You know, just, or like probably star watching. Yeah, that sounds peaceful. Yeah, that seems safer. Yeah, Um, so. Hey, you were wanting to talk a little bit about the running game, though. Yes, so I think that offensively, um, obvious area. I mean, the offense was all bad last year. Nothing was good. It was all bad. Um, Except for our our youngest son, our largest youngest son. Ah, yes, young Connor. Um my boy. Uh, but he like, I enjoyed him as a running back last year, but the offense on the whole was one of the worst in the country, really bad 125th or something like that rated. Um, and there were all of these changes made on the offensive side of the ball. 
a big reshuffling of the deck. And I thought one of the interesting things in this game in particular that I noticed that I thought helped the running game uh, was the fact that they were going almost exclusively out of the pistol or the shotgun. You saw flashes of it in the bowl game. Uh, obviously, it was not ready to be rolled out. It was like a like a tech company rolling out a product that was like half developed. Just like beta mode, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, big beta, except it was very much a real game. Um, it was awful. But I thought that running out of that formation or, or really playing exclusively out of that formation does a lot for Michigan State from a deception standpoint. And I think that's where you see Brad Salem's play calling was definitely more run heavy and definitely more like runs to the tackles rather than runs just straight ahead. Uh, I didn't see many dives in this game at all. I thought it, we saw a lot of uh, running kind of off tackle, even saw one little pop pass jet sweep. Um, uh. I know, I know, I know. But uh, I thought that I liked that. They played with a little bit more pace, a lot of like the clapping like you've seen from Ohio State all these years. Um, I, I, I liked a little bit of deception. I think as, as they get a little more used to it, it it's going to help them put – their team in, in, in positions where they have advantages that are created by not necessarily talent or athleticism, but by scheme, uh, which they just haven't done in several years. Um, and, and in the run game, that's going to be really important. And I, I think uh, you saw a couple of interesting things there. First, the, the offensive line, I thought when the ones were playing early on, did a really good job of getting some push. Um, so that's obviously super encouraging uh, because if your offensive line is not going to get any push, then you're not going to do anything all year. And if you're predictable, you're not going to do anything. So getting away from those two evils is, is great. And um, we saw a mix of running backs. I mean, there were like five different guys that got carries. Each of them kind of bring something a little bit different to the table. I mean, obviously Connor is, is looking uh, thick this spring at a smooth 236. Um but looking fleet of foot as well had a had a wonderful screen pass for a touchdown, uh, which 50 was yard. yeah uh, fifty yarder looking pulling away from people looking great. I would um, call that. Uh, how would you describe his running style when he was running when he was moving down the field for that fifty? Was he was it a gallop? Was it? Uh, I don't know any other way to describe it aside from just uh, freight train. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a barrel barreling i think is probably the way that i would describe it do you remember do you you, are you a simpsons fan sure yeah okay this might be a reference only a few people get but it's important (laughs) there's the football episode where homer is the coach and i believe nelson is on his team (laughs) yeah and connor is nelson the the bully in this situation (laughs) he runs around the field with his stiff arm out and then goes out of his way for the final stiff arm like all the way down the field to knock the last kid over before scoring a touchdown. <laughs> that is our boy Connor. Yes, Looking I agree. I think he's got a real potential in this offense to, to be used creatively. I, I didn't see many two back sets at all, but I think that could help him a lot. He's a great receiver of the ball, obviously a very good blocker. I think you kind of know what you're getting in him and uh, another year of athleticism and, and working on his body is probably going to end up helping. I thought, um, Ladarius Jefferson has a chance to be really good. I yeah. just don't know. He didn't look like he has the feel for the position yet still. He was just kind of running straight ahead, um, which he did a lot last year. He's got all summer. I mean, it's spring ball, so plenty of time. 
Um, but saw that, but in terms of physicality and just looking the part, he is, he is that. And then some, um, the other three running backs, I think one of them has a chance to crack the rotation. And that's between Elijah Collins, um, Weston Bridges and Anthony Williams, the true freshman early enrollee. I will say Bridges, I, I thought was the most decisive of the bunch. I uh, just put his foot down and went, and I think his talent level probably isn't as high as the other two. But like, in terms of decisiveness, like that's something Michigan State's lacked from a runner in a long time. Um, Collins tried to do the little prancy Le'Veon Bell thing, and it worked for him once or twice. But um, that's tough unless you got a really good O line in front of you. But I like him; he's a smooth runner. But uh, Anthony Williams really Im- impressed me on a couple of runs. Didn't pop any huge plays necessarily. But he, the plays he made were loud. Um, it was funny. After the game, Coach D compared him to Jeremy Langford, which I thought was – I rewatched the game and I picked up what he was putting down. Um, he's kind of got this like long stride where – kind of like Collins where he's just smooth and he hits that top end speed really quickly because he – it might not be elite speed, but it's pretty damn good. And he gets there like very fast. So when he gets to the outside, he's already going, he's already up to that top RPM. And, um, you know, MD wants a guy that he can give the ball 200 times to, uh, I'm not sure that I'm not sure who it is among this group, but I think Williams by enrolling early and, you know, kind of picking things up and really being able to block too. I noticed he made a couple nice blocks. Um, He's going to give himself a chance, and MD doesn't discriminate. He'll play true freshman. We've seen it every single year he's been there, and uh, this it's a big area of opportunity. So I, I think this will be the maybe not the biggest question, but if MSU can find a real guy, like a guy guy there, takes this offense to a whole nother level. So that brings us to the most important question going into the fall is, can this offense – go from one of the worst to mediocre and knowing and with all things equal, the defense being as good um, as they were last year, that in the past has resulted in really, really big things, not only for Michigan state, but in general for um, big 10 champions in the past uh, handful of years. What do you think? Is this team capable? Uh, Is this offense capable of being 70th best in the country? In terms of personnel, I think absolutely. Um, if you're going to get the Brian Lewerke, if you're getting a senior Brian Lewerke, a guy that is a better version of who he was two years ago, a healthy, confident Lewerke, um, I see no reason why this offense can't be at, I'm talking at a minimum, a competent offense. Um, you still have, I mean, very good receivers around him. You've got Naylor, Daryl Stewart, based on this one game, looks like he's ready to be one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. Um, you still have guys like Larice Nelson, Cody White. I mean, you're, in just Naylor, White, and Stewart, you're still talking about a, a three-headed snake that a lot of, of teams would love to have at wideout. Um, running backs, we just kind of ran through it. I think you know they need to be either super balanced and have a couple guys that can do you know really well or just one guy who's, who's, who's the man. Um, I hate the hot hand, so I'd prefer the latter. Uh, and then I think the offensive line, the offensive line is the key to the whole thing to me. 
um, if they are able to, in terms of personnel groups, the offensive line is, is the key. If they are able to create running lanes consistently and MSU can run for four yards a carry, um, they're going to make Brad Salem's job much, much easier. And um, vice versa, if he is is more, not necessarily more, not more exotic. I would like him to be a little bit simpler, but if he if he's just more schematically intelligent and uh, uses pace, uh, uses formation um, to his advantage, keeps defenses on their toes instead of being the most predictable offense of all time. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, if MSU hits on a, even just a couple of those, there's no reason they can't be a, a middle-of-the-road offense. And really, they've won a lot historically with with 70th-ranked offenses. So um, exactly. they have a tough schedule. It's a really tough schedule. But um, it is it is doable, and I see no reason why we can't have uh, a good amount of fun this year. So um, we'll do a really in-depth preview once we get to August and, and everything shakes out. Um, but, but in the immediate future, and to stay topical, the NFL draft is next week. So uh, we thought we'd go through, and if, if you are an NFL fan, and or at the very least just like to see Spartans do uh, go on to the next level, which is really important for the program. Quite. Um, it, let's take a, take a look at um, who, will pro- who could go um, – on the first day, second, third day, and maybe who has a shot if they aren't drafted. First day, um, I think we have everyone is is uh, licking their chops after they saw a combine out of Justin Lane. Yeah, I think Lane is probably well, not even probably. He's just definitely the best candidate from from anybody that's that's you know coming from Michigan State to the league. It's funny if you go back a year ago, you're probably putting LJ Scott in this discussion, but obviously we, we, with the year he had, the tough year he had, that's, that's not the case. Um, but Justin Lane, man, we, we've been talking about it here for quite some time, but he's, uh, he's everything you want in the corner. Um, could probably stand to put a little bit of weight on, but he is fast as hell. Got those long arms. He's six, three. I mean, he's, he's, uh, got a lot of things that modern NFL defenses look for in a corner. And I, I think there's a chance especially with the numbers he's put up at his pro day in the combine. Um, I think there's a very good chance he could slip into the back part of the first round. Yeah. And the other thing he has going for him is um, a great track record from uh, MSU corners in general. Lately sure. in the NFL. So, you know, his experience um, playing the MSU in the MSU defense, that's what the NFL wants to, <laughs> they want to see guys who have been put on islands against the best the best uh, wide receiver on the other team, you know, um, there's no hiding in the NFL. So uh, see if Justin Lane uh, can sneak into that first day. Um, anyone you think that can go on the second day? Yeah. Second day. Um, it could be interesting. I think one of the, well, one of the hottest names for, for MSU is Kari Willis. Um, it's funny. He got, now whether this is the poison pill or the something that's actually good remains to be seen. But John Gruden apparently loves him, so God knows if that's good or bad. But um, he apparently had a really good senior bowl, uh, was like one of the captains of the defense. Um, he does bring a certain aspect of just tough-mindedness and run-stuffing ability that, you know, listen, NFL is always going to – teams are always going to run. He's going he's, he's gonna to be able to help stuff that. Um, and – 
you know, he's a great locker room guy. I think he's the type of dude who could be a team captain in the NFL if he's able to find a consistent playing role. And I think a special teamer. I think he's a, a lights-out special teamer. So um, didn't do a ton of that in college, but I think he's just made for it in the pros as long as there's kickoffs and punts, I suppose. But uh, I think there's a chance he sneaks into that red, late round three type of type of discussion. Okay. And so, um, you know, we – we didn't touch on uh, a sore topic for you, but we will keep an eye on where uh, potentially top five pick Montez Sweat goes. Oh, um, I'll never get over it, John. I'll never, ever get over it. We'll, we'll claim him just like we claim Nick Foles. Oh, please believe we will claim him like we claim Nick I'll claim him more than I claim Nick Foles. Montez <laughs> Sweat was a dude that I was talking about from the minute we got him, just saying this kid has it all. Everything we read about him, everything we heard about him was that he could be this. And now he's this. And it's killing me that he's coming from Mississippi State instead of Michigan State. Also would have loved to have him in green and white for these last couple of years, beside the point. Um, star. I think he's an NFL star. He's everything. He's a prototype, prototype defensive end. Um, but as Stephen, Stephen A. Smith would say, uh, stay off the weed Montez, well, please. You know what I hope he does? You know, and when they uh, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and they announce, you know, where you went to college, I hope he just says MSU. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? I think you should do that. Um, so let's round out. Who do you think has a chance to get drafted, and is anyone um, who won't get drafted be signed for an un- uh, unrestricted free agent? Yeah, I think um, in terms of guys that might have a chance to get taken in that that – that third day that rounds four through seven. Um, a couple guys jump out to me, really three, uh, and that's LJ Scott. Um, you know, running backs nowadays, especially ones that are a little older and have injury concerns, uh, you know, not not the the biggest market for them, but LJ Scott has NFL talent. Um, so I don't I wouldn't be surprised if he's picked up kind of late. Um, I think a guy who might go in front of him is Andrew Dowell. Uh, I, I wonder how much size is going to hurt Andrew Dowell because um, he is not a big dude. Uh, but then again, the NFL is going really small. I mean, Mark Barron, um, you know, has played linebacker in the NFL for a long time at about 225, 230 pounds. And Andrew Dowell is, is right around there as well and was really good last year. And a couple of years before that, three-year starter, four-year starter, really good player. Um, I think he could sneak in there somewhere based on scheme. And then, um, you know, what's really sad is the guy who I think was primed for maybe that late day one, day two, uh, you know, first, second, third round type of conversation is uh, Felton Davis. Um, Obviously tore that Achilles, which is a bummer, but has been running and working out. So I think that he, while he probably isn't going to get drafted, I think he's going to get a preferred type of undrafted free agent look because, I mean, when he was healthy, there's no arguing with the, the talent and and, and all of that, um, and the production. And he was never a guy, I think what works in his favor is he was never a guy that relied on standout speed or, or really even athleticism. Right. Right. Um, he just kind of ran the routes the right way and, and had incredible hands and natural size. So um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if a team took a flyer on him late uh, in the you know seventh round or so. Um, if not, I, I have no doubt he'll find, he'll find a home pretty quickly. That's right. So thus ends the this the the spring pod. You know we've been with you guys for um, every week for gosh 
I don't know, dating back since the beginning of the football season. Yeah. Um, we might take a different cadence this spring <laughs> and summer um, yeah. as, as it relates to news that is worthy of chatting about. But uh, let us know. What do you guys want to hear us talk about this summer? Um, we have a few topics that we're definitely going to explore. We're going to try and get a few uh, guests uh, on board. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll put together some fun episodes for you. Yeah, that that we can promise is uh, we will do our best to keep everybody, you know, entertained and and excited. And, you know, we're probably looking at more of a monthly three weeks or so type of uh, cadence here, like John said. But guys, really, I I just for I'll speak for for you right now, John. But um, I just want to thank everybody who's been listening for the last, you know, I guess it's been a couple of years now that we've been doing this. We have such a great time and all the interactions and stuff that it uh you know helps us all these great conversations we have with you guys on social all the fun we're able to have uh it's because of you guys listening and 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 joining in the conversation so um we always appreciate your feedback and and want to know what we can do to make the pod better so please if there's ideas that you guys have for us do not feel afraid to uh slide into these dms they are open um and uh we'll we'll do some cool stuff i'll even say austin like even at the final four, when I was there, I met up with some of you guys and it was the coolest thing and I love it. And, um, we're just, we're so lucky to, to be a part of such a cool, you know, Michigan state community. Um, we, we hope that we can uh, keep giving you, uh, something you want to listen to. So follow yep. us on Twitter, um, you know, and, and ask us or let us know what you want from us there and we'll make it happen. Yeah. 100%. I, couldn't agree more. All right, guys. Well, for John, this has been Austin, uh, and we will catch you guys soon. See you. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.